Welcome to Top 5 Comics. People talk about comics, pop culture, and events. Here with us today in a very special St. Patrick's Day edition, brought to us by Aquaman's Green Pants, Ross. Hi. Also brought to us from Hulk Spray Tan Green, CBS. <laughs> Hello. And wouldn't be the same without the feature of Beast Boy's strange skin condition, Rob. Hi. Got bit by a rare green monkey. And now, now he's green. I'm not sure if that's an actual diagnosis for that or not. That monkey was either magical or he was just green. It's a Young Justice variation. He's got Miss Martian's blood in him. Oh. No. Oh. That's a little less crazy than Jello Monkey. Yeah, a little bit. Jello Monkey's funner. Weird True. green monkeys that Plus, sometimes bite people. If you go to the doctor and you're like, hey, this green thing going on, he's like, it's Jello Monkey. You got some Jello Monkey. That's awesome. Besides, <laughs> they sold that from Hulk, anyways. <laughs> Hulk Blood, Jennifer Walter, She Hulk. Yep, it's true. Martian Blood, Garfield Logan, Beast Boy. What's funny is she's not naturally <laughs> green, so it's kind of odd that. You shut That's up, true. Ross. Yeah, her green is a lie. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's <laughs> she's a lie. It is. Her green is a green lie. Green is a lie. Maybe she's just you know she's been doctoring herself with green food coloring so long, so everything's green. <laughs> That's like the options are actually change myself green or eat enough food coloring to where I'm always green. The green does not come out, Ross. It's true. You have to wear it out, meaning the skin has to die and fall off. You ever spill on yourself? Don't do a lot of cooking with green. It's a good idea. Just saying. All right. Well, now we've discussed that weird nonsense. It's it's unfortunate we didn't have a fourth person. Right? That's too bad. Can't put the fourth one. That'd have been good. (laughs) Something to do with Lucky Charms and eating rice cookie treats. Well, there is a famous leprechaun that told somebody their name. (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) See the new Wolverine movie to find that answer out. There's not a leprechaun in the new Wolverine movie. No, but the title of the movie is the name that the... There should have been. It would have made that film better. How awesome that have been? Yes. Yes. Speaking of leprechauns, this might be a jump straight into the news. Okay. But they've been around for a couple weeks now. They have... The leprechauns? They've been around a lot longer than that. (laughs) Putting the little people down, Ross. They've been wearing green and dancing with their boots and hiding gold for generations. That's true. How do you for, how do you not recognize that? This variation of Leprechaun has only been around for a couple of weeks. Okay, we'll catch you off real quick for one second. Hold the top of Comics Podcast, everyone. This is episode number 92. And uh, since Ross is going to jump into the news, we'll go and join Ross. Already in the dog pile. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, so General Mills, the cereal company, yes. is doing crazy DC Comics boxes. That's right. But they're not just like random superheroes on the boxes. They're like, we turn the cereal mascots into superheroes. Unless you're Cheerios, yes. Which I guess multi grain Cheerios turn into Wonder Woman. In yeah, that case. I don't know how that works, but yeah. yeah. But, uh,. Lucky Charms one is one of the best ones, because Lucky, 
The leprechaun on the Lucky Charms box yes. is a Green Lantern. That's awesome. Now, I just thought of this. They missed a huge opportunity if they have Cocoa Pebbles. They don't. They should, though. That's unfortunate. Go, go ahead with your idea, though. Well, the Orange Lantern would be perfect <laughs> for the Cocoa Pebble guy, because he's always like, I can't resist the damn Cocoa Pebbles! Oh, That's man. True. He loses his damn mind for it. You're thinking of Cocoa Puffs, actually. Cocoa Puffs, yeah. And Cocoa I'm sorry, Cocoa Puffs Pebbles are, is, is... Yeah, it's, that's Flintstones. Sorry, my bad. I was trying to figure out how, like... Cocoa Puffs, yeah. Barney was an Orange Lantern, or what was... <laughs> well, he wants everything Fred has. I, I was with you, and that's not true. Barney's got a much nobler life than that. <laughs> I think... I want to say they turned the Cocoa Puffs guy into the Flash, actually. Foolish choice. Which, yeah, it is, but at the same time, you think he goes crazy and he moves really fast. That's true, mm-hmm. but they could have put the uh, the tricks rabbit. Yeah, he could have been Superman. That also makes yeah. no sense. I don't well, know. the honeybee is Batman, so yeah, it makes perfect yeah. sense. <laughs> Wait a second, Wily and hides inside of a cocoon, <laughs> just like a bat. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I guess I guess I would have made the cookie crook, cookie crook. The, the Flash. Oh, that would have been cool. Oh, yeah. Regardless, though. It's sad as they've gotten rid of serial mascots and a lot of those. And so. Yeah, so we're going to get more Wonder Woman's disappearing. Yep. Don't have to have fun with that. <laughs> was uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. And they turned the little pieces of cannibal Cinnamon Toast Crunch things yeah. into Cyborg, Aquaman, and another Green Lantern. Yeah. Are they also eating each other because of cannibals? I think well, Cyborg has a piece bitten out of him. That is messed up. <laughs> so they even dress the chefs up or make them the chefs. No, the chefs are, the chefs are dead. I'm disappointed. Sorry. Yeah, they've been gone for a while, but I was hoping that they might bring them back for this. But, that would be kind of cool. Now, that's the dark and grisly story of Which Cinnamon really Toast eating? Crunch. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they lost control of the Cinnamon Toast. Exactly. Well, the problem was, okay, you have the three chefs, right? Wendell went nuts first. It was obvious. <laughs> You're watching that shit. Wendell was losing his mind. And so clearly, he started putting his insanity into the, the, the Cinnamon Toast. Okay. And when the other two found out about it, they couldn't be allowed to live. <laughs> so I'm thinking Wendell actually killed the other two. Okay. And, and probably the put them into the him? toast. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what we've been eating this whole time. And then the toast probably devoured him. Wait, so you're uh. saying Cinnamon Toast Crunch is actually people? Yes. Well, it had some people. Now it's probably less people. Mm. Well, there's it's only been, three of them. It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Since we haven't seen the, Since the chefs anymore. Most that's worked itself out. I mean, the other possibility is that Wendell's still alive and they're masterminding it. No. And just breeding more insanity in, in the cinnamon <laughs> toast. <laughs> the nice thing is the cinnamon toast only ate Wendell. Yeah. And now it's happy eating itself. That's true. So, I mean, you're lucky to get a bag of cinnamon toast crunch that, that's, yeah. that's full, actually. Right. You might just one day, you know, get one and keep it on your shelf and just have one big piece of toast when you open it, because it's eight and all the Sounds rest delicious. I have a feeling, though, they just eat themselves and then throw up or make waste of themselves. So, what you're really eating is recycled, recycled, recycled cinnamon people. toast crunch. Oh. Well, that's where it started. Let's throw some people in there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Keep that in mind next time you go to have a bowl, folks. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The cereal that sponsors murder? I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you can use it as an excuse when you go to the judge. And you're like, no, no, the cereal made me do it. No. 
doesn't work that way. No, nobody's going to buy that. No, you better off believing Pop-Tarts. You've seen those things. They also eat each other. Yeah. It's questionable. Or they're eaten by a little dog. The commercials are crazy. I don't understand that stuff. It doesn't make any sense at all. Anyway, Ross, you got some news for us? It's it's actually news? Um, Maybe? I didn't know you were expecting actual news. Well, you know. When you say actual, it's comic news. I mean, like... But there is one sad piece of news, unfortunately. Um, and you may have heard it if you're a fan already, but if you weren't a fan, maybe you haven't heard this. Uh, the crater of SpongeBob SquarePants has been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, which is still a terminal disease. Right. Oh, geez, that's crazy. Um, and so he is. He said that he's going to continue working on the series as long as he can, but then. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the type of disease that eventually you won't be able to do anything. Yeah, so I mean, he 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 will not, you know, he, who who's to say what will happen? But um, right, and it's hard to say what will happen after that if SpongeBob will continue or if it'll if it'll end. Uh, I was surprised to find out that he was actually a marine biologist. Oh yeah, because I just figured that he was. You saw his free loops. Yeah, I just yeah. I just figured he was hanging out with Wendell too long. <laughs> Check it out. It's a scary thing to do. Uh, so, but it, but it is sad, you know that. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, it's really not something you hear about all that often. But I, I I heard about that, and it's just you know it's kind of a sad thing. Yeah, right. that's too bad. Yep. You know. Wish you well, sir. Yeah. Dealing with that disease made made many people happy. So. Yeah, that show's been on for a long, long time. It, it has. has. Yeah. Yes, it has. Um, anything else? I thought I was going to say there was a little chat earlier about the uh, Aquaman growing the beard back. Oh, was there? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I yeah. Must have missed that. I forgot about that. What was the artist's name? Forget. Steve? Steven Sijic. Yeah. Previously worked on Witchblade. Uh, Witchblade, um... Gravedigger. Gravedigger, which is freaking awesome. Um, he was doing Switch, which was another Witchblade story, which mm-hmm. has not been finished, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. But maybe he's got busy doing other stuff, I guess. Man, it is, it is an image title, so... That's true. You know, it's not dead until it's dead. Whatever that means. Yeah. Tell me a story about Aquaman's beard. But, but he is, that artist is the new main artist on Aquaman. Sorry, will be taking over. 25, I yep. believe. But, uh, yeah, Aquaman has a beard back and all the artwork for... From that artist. At least what we've seen months. so far, he's featuring the beard on the man. Huh. So that may be a movie-related nod. Oh. Which, you know, whatever. It doesn't look movie-related. I mean, the look is... It still just looks, looks like... looks like Aquaman uh, with a yeah. beard. So okay. he's not crazy Momoa showing up with his weird, I don't know, Amish hat. Hanging out <laughs> 18 feet taller than everyone else. Looking like he's been out in the field. The man looks like he gets work done. I'm impressed. I'm impressed, Ross. You've seen the hat. Yeah. There's no way you people haven't seen the hat. <laughs> Google Jason Momoa. And don't add a movie title. Just Google the man. There's no way you haven't seen his hat. No way. Now, you Google Conan, you go, or you Google Stargate Atlantis, or that Game of Thrones thing, and you're going to find the look in the movies. But you just Google the man. There's no way you can miss it. It's like a giant Smokey the Bear hat. Do you know what Smokey the Bear's hat looks like? Yes. It's a ranger hat. Yeah. Like, I, taller in the middle. <laughs> uh, like Don't look at me like I'm a crazy one. You've well, seen the I, pictures. I, I, You've seen them, Ross. 
Either Rob has or not. Yeah, I can say without a doubt I have not. I have not seen that. Not all of us follow Jason Momoa's dressing habits. Apparently, me and Ross do. Or me. <laughs> Whatever, Ross. I, I don't have him on Twitter. I haven't seen it. Well, I don't know if he uses Twitter or not. I, know, I have no idea. He probably I think, does. I think he does. Probably. I see a lot of him from the Aquaman shrine. Now but... you know. Knowing he's half the battle. Yeah, there you go. G.I. Joe. Yeah. But Ross following Jason Momoa on Twitter. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah! <laughs> Whatever. Any other news? Um. Well, it's not really news at this point, but Samurai Jack came back. That's right. It was pretty back dang awesome. Back in the awesome. past, Samurai Jack? I thought that was part of the song. It is part of the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, new Samurai Jack's pretty good. Just check it out. Yeah. First episode was pretty awesome. Mm hmm. And say there's a. Shoot, I felt like there was something else in there for a second that made sense to talk about, but now I'm like, meh. Yeah, nothing. It's gone. Oh, uh, the button story's gonna happen in April. Which I think we've, we've talked about that before, more like books to watch. But yeah, they're gonna have lenticular covers. A bunch of the covers are showed up online now, including the international covers, which are not lenticular, but the international ones. The couple they've shown look awesome. Like, the art's great. The so international. Ask your retailer about it. The international was a beyond lenticular variation. Um, it's a, it's a two D. The only ones that are lenticular are the normal cover, A and A for both the twenty ones and twenty twos. There is a B cover which is non lenticular, so the same image just non lenticularly, so without the movement. The first one is supposed to change between Batman and Flash. The non-lenticular is like half and half, so like down the middle there's like a crack and the two halves connect. As far as the rest of them, I don't know how the rest of them fit together, but the international covers are not lenticular. They're normal covers, just different image. Because why not? Batman Flash. Boom. No? Not the way to lead that off? Not really news? That's kind of news. Sad day. Not name that. Not really sad day, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Anything else? That's all I've got, man. That's all you got. Yeah, that's all the news I have. Okay. Well, all right. Well, let's move on. To some. Well, we should have told you what books we were doing. We didn't do that, did we? Told you the yeah. episode number, didn't I? Yes. We okay. Did the, we did the episode. So we're doing okay. All right. So books today. Oh my gosh. If it's up to me. You wouldn't have done the episode number. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're trying to railroad the whole situation. <laughs> um, so we're going to be doing Daredevil number eighteen. From uh, Marvel Comics, uh, Justice League America number one. Let's start with that. Justice League America number one from the Rebirth. Uh, then followed by Daredevil eighteen, followed by Street Fighter versus Darkstalker zero, followed by Action Comics number nine seventy five, and then U.S. Avengers number four. Which you know you said last last episode you guys did did Superman already, but Action Superman two different comics. <laughs> Either they're part of the same story. It's true. Take that. Plus, we brainstormed a lot on that issue. That's yeah. true. And so this will we'll this will sum up that brainstorming. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Something about and it. It'll thinking. be good. It for, for some people, it'll be like that is awesome, and for some people, it'll be like oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the inning I had the brightest day. Oh. Oh. Then swallowed by swearing. Yeah. I swore a lot at that one. You know, that's I, how most things end with you, though. So that's true. 
I thought Brandon's Day was pretty good. I just I wish they wouldn't the have. The series was great. The ending was just meh. Yeah, I was like only the last like last issue, last issue. Eh, mm-hmm. rest of it fine. I, I wish they wouldn't have thrown that out there. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was like with Mortal Kombat for me. Mortal Kombat X. They announced, oh, there's going to be a surprise return character. He's going to be the boss. Everybody got excited, and then it wound up being fucking Shinnok, and everybody knew it was going to be him. So it's like, it's not yeah. a surprise. That's like going, oh, who's Lex, who's Superman going to face off against the next, Lex Luthor! Like, you don't even finish the damn sentence before you say it, because it, it's, it's Everyone obvious. Everyone in the movies has the same villain? Everybody knew that that's what it was before you started saying it. So why did you say something? At all? That was a blatant lie. Wow. Or something that was completely useless as information. That's how the system works. You're never going to guess, because nobody even thinks about this person. Woo! Wow. That's what I got out of Brightest Day. (laughs) That's not the answer you should have got. Evidently not, but that's the answer I took away from it. All right. Well, that's enough about this on Brightest Day. Uh, One last thing. No! Yes. Just... Go on. Nobody has any idea what the hell they're doing with Captain Boomerang. <laughs> None. <laughs> not the Biggest. TV shows, not the movies. Well, the TV show they got. No, no, no you're right. Yeah, no, they don't. They, no idea. The guy who played him in the TV show was fine. The guy who played in the movie also fine. Yeah. As far as the way the guy acts, yeah. What the <laughs> well, comics are doing? It's like yeah. they think like, oh, this is going to be awesome, and they get out there and they're like, what the hell are we doing? Right. It's not like what were we thinking. It was like, what, what do we do? That's, I don't know. I, you brought him to the party. No, you brought him to the party. I'm <laughs> pretty sure he brought himself to the party. Does anybody even know who he is? You know. It's, yeah. It's, it's aggravating. We brought him back, gave him light arrows or boomerangs, and then he's done jack shit for five years. Well, he doesn't matter now. Rebirth. Yeah, well, he'll New come into Rebirth and he'll do jack shit again. New for, 52. He's been in Rebirth for a while now. So. Whatever. Yeah. I just, it's really too, Ross. It's weird. It's weird. If he didn't have the light boomerangs in New 52... Did he have them in New 52? Yeah, he's got them still. Oh, that is kind of weird. I don't understand. And neither do they, evidently. I need to update his costume, Rob. He's still wearing the old costume from back in the day. No, that's true. They update his costume, that would fix things. Well, he's got a... He's got a soft no. cap. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He doesn't have the flight. It's the rest of his stupid trench coat nonsense going on with his weird boomerang things on it. Mm. Yeah, old costume. You gave him a, a long shoreman hat. Good job. The other zoom could also be stick guy. Just saying, <laughs> throwing that out there. He was in brightest day. It's done nothing since then. Stupid. Anyways, continue. Let's, let's move on. <clears throat> yeah, please. Because um, Rob's negative attitude. I'm just pulling today. things down, I guess. Good job. <clears throat> Tearing down the walls. I don't know of what. Shooting the wild heart eight, bang bang. Ross is painted up like a warrior. Not just any warrior. Not just any warrior. The ultimate warrior. The ultimate warrior. <laughs> you guys have no idea. He's got armbands on and everything. It's amazing. I guess he didn't understand how the leprechaun's dress. Because <laughs> <laughs> I told him, hey, it's going to be Dan Patrick's day. You should dress like a leprechaun. He said, done. Ultimate Warrior. And that's what he shows up as. I never, I didn't understand at all. Well, the, but the bonus is the people who know what he is supposed to be will be like, I'm not going to pinch that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much green or not green's there. No. Because it's terrifying. Yeah. 
It's the fantastic, other people, are, the other people are actually just afraid. I mean, they don't even know why. It's like a primal fear. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> you know who the ultimate warrior is, and you know what we're talking about. Or was. That, he's eternal, so it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Ross's eyes are freaking me out with a face paint on. It's weird. It's really, <laughs> it really is. I was okay with it when he first showed up, because I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was Mardi Gras. Maybe I lost time. Time traveled. Yeah. Anyway, um, Rob, you want to tell us a story about Justice League of America? Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Sure. Number one? Yeah. The second number one, because, well, you know. Number one number one's never good enough. No. One's the loneliest number unless there's two of them. Then there are 11. Or two. Only if you add them together, honestly. What if you multiply them? The and there's still one. There's still one. Yeah, it's a trick. Yeah, it's a trick, Steve. <laughs> Damn you, Ross! All right, so Rainer is Steve Orlando, and penciling is Ivan Reyes. Yep. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. Done, done great, a lot of Green Lantern stuff. And, and there's a ton of anchors. That's okay. So right. We're not gonna get into that. Sorry. Sorry if you were anchor. It's no. only one that matters, Mick Gray, because that guy's awesome. <laughs> No, no, that's not true. I'm saying. No, he's plenty. There are other ones that matter, too, but Mick is a nice guy. That's true. That's Plus, okay. his name is Mick. <laughs> you know how awesome that is? It's awesome. All right. Go so, on. So, continuing. Um, this actually picks up after what should have been Zero takes place. And so, evidently, Batman has gone around and, and gathered this whole handful of kind of motley crude superheroes and asked them to kind of come together as a team. However, unlike the regular Justice League that has the satellite, they're all kind of having to do their own thing, which is odd because they, they have a lot of things that kind of make me feel super frenzy. Like they have a trouble alert and they have a communicator and yeah. Anyhow, so we begin with basically Batman explaining to Vixen sort of why this seems like a good idea, or why Batman thinks that they should do this. And it's basically like they need somebody, or they need a group that's more, it's going to have more face time on Earth. Because Justice League has gotten to the point where it's you know, dealing with such big threats or cosmic threats that you know, people kind of have a detach from them. Which, wasn't that kind of the point of the last Justice League of America series, too? Yeah. I think the idea was really, it was supposed to be that they were answerable to the U.S. I think the, I guess the first one, Batman or Justice League International. Yeah, international. maybe more. Which, yeah. yeah, international. That's what they were doing. Oh yeah, yeah you're right. Justice League America was more Amanda Waller's answer for the Justice League going bad, so she had her own team to be a jerk. Yeah. That's you say that's the Suicide Squad. No, 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 one that she advertises with. Yeah, I'm a jerk. Look at these guys. The other one's a secret, you know. Which I mean, both were both were really cool. Actually. Oh yeah, no, they were good. International was a great, it was a great book. But this kind of catches up with all these different heroes and what they're doing on their own time. So we have Batman and Vixen, and they're kind of making their way around Gotham. But uh, we catch up with uh, the Ray, who's saving people in a... He's saving a bunch of people from a fire that are, like, in a kind of a homeless shelter or something. And we meet up with Black Canary there. And we kind of, like, get a little connection to his his own one-shot 
where the city that he was in was not necessarily a very well-to-do place, and, like, I think it was, like, it was supposed to be, like, the most oppressing uh, state in the in the U.S. or something like that. It was, there was something with it where it was, like, people don't want to be there. Right. So people just want to forget about the state. And they kind of talk about, you know, the efforts that they're making here. And, like, this seems like kind of small stuff, but it's important to do the small stuff. That's kind of what they were talking about. Right. And then the most important, of course, is we catch up with Biker Lobo, who's fighting fire <laughs> trolls in the Pacific Ocean. Trying to save the dolphins. Yeah, he's got a great line here. So just in case you weren't sure if it was going to be regular Lobo coming back, we've got this line here. But your fireworks are bothering the local sea life bastages, and the main man can't stand to see a dolphin cry. <laughs> So I didn't true. quite do it right. I, I, it needs to be more Randy Savage, but that's right. That is hilarious. It is because I mean he's throwing man. around bastages and Lobo and calling himself the main man and all the things that you know he used to do. Yeah, the stuff we missed from the from the '90s Lobo. Yeah. Prior to the New Fifty Two Lobo, that I guess vanished. Magic. Go on. I'm not sure. How, yeah. Or if they will ever wrap that up. No one knows. <laughs> Another quick. Cool thing. Huh. The fire trolls that he is fighting are classic Aquaman villains. Monster things that Aquaman fought. Nice. Not really villains, yeah. Anyway. I didn't know they're, that. They're the exact same as they showed up in old Aquaman That's hilarious. Too. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Now, um, as we continue, we're also introduced to Killer Frost and the Atom. Right. Which I guess Killer Frost is really trying to turn over a new leaf and she just wants to be called Frost. Right. Now, they fixed Frost's kind of vampiric quality that she had in the old Firestorm for New 52. Right. So she just can generate the ice without uh, having to draw from another life form, it sounds like. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she doesn't believe people dry to feel normal anymore. Yeah. So she's kind of using not her power to be very helpful to the team, although that's going to be. Right. She's also using her intellect. And so she and Ryan, the Atom... Kind of are the brains of the operation. Right. And it's kind of interesting because it seems like Ryan uh, comes off as uh, a little a little chauvinist, I guess, at first. And I don't know if that was just to try to paint that she's tough mm. or what, but I don't know. It was kind of cool to have the two brains of the group here. Um, so we'll see how that story develops, I guess. Right. Um, but we're brought in very like, quickly to what's going to be kind of our first arc's enemies. Which is um, going to be led up by a man named Lord Havoc. The odd thing is that they've used these villains before. Yep. Um, they were in the Convergence mm-hmm. books, but I, I can't remember what reality they were from originally. But a lot of what they talk about is basically that they tried to save their world and it failed, and so now they're going to step in and they're going to save this world by dominating it. Well, these are the same version of them from that book. Like, Lord Havoc's been around before. Like, he's yeah. not a new character, but the version he looks like seems to be the version from Convergence. As far as what planet they're, what Earth they were supposed to be from, gosh, I don't remember that. I'm sure it said it, but I don't remember that. You know, I don't think they did in this book. No. Yeah, I, th- I think they're wanting that to be a part of the mystery. It's just mm-hmm. kind of cool because these are not... They, they they haven't shown up in New 52 proper, but they right. are 
weird things. So I don't know. I mean, it'll be kind of interesting to see if this also ties into the greater story of Rebirth. Sure. Or if this is just to kind of give us a... Yeah, it might be the first time I've seen him in this universe, yeah. or this version of the universe. One of the big things is basically that it gives the Justice League of America a reason to come together and to go off and kind of face off against these guys and see how they operate as a team and see kind of their minds against this this new threat. And, you know, when you look at it, they're not really bolstering the same amount of strength that we see from the Justice League, but they have different abilities or kind of different strengths. So it's kind of neat to see how that plays out. In the end, it kind of comes down to who has more of a a mind for it, I guess. And we kind of end it with kind of a really cool standoff. But it's a really neat read to build up to this. And I'm kind of interested to see where they go with it and whether they're going to like continue to have this as a mystery, where these guys come from, or what happened to their world to lead them to this. Seems like seems like a really strong start to me. But you do want to read Rebirth 1 before you go to this one, because it does set up a couple of things. I didn't bravo score for the book. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. But, of course, I've also been waiting for Lobo to come back, so... I give it a 3.5, so I really enjoyed reading that. 3.5? So, yeah. Uh, Mr. Raj, did I score for that book? Yeah. I'm probably going to give it... Man, I don't know. I want to give it a 3.5 just for the Lobo part of it, because it was awesome. Uh, the rest of the book... It had really good art. I really like Ivan Ray's. Yeah, I guess I'll go to three and a half. Huh? I'm not totally sold on the story at this point, but uh, I like the I like Lobo and I like the art, and it just kind of seems like a retread of what we just did fairly recently. So, especially probably especially if you did read Rebirth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a good one to lead you in, but it does feel like this one's kind of. Are you talking about the Rebirth issue? The Rebirth issue. Not the Rebirth story for yeah. DC. I'm sorry, the Rebirth Justice League of America number one. Go. Okay. Which was, which is good and it's important to read, but it does feel kind of like you're retreading some of the water in that book. Okay. So, for, for me, the only thing I really was kind of left really wanting was, in, it looks like Vixen's, when she uses her power, she makes a, like a, a purple, version of whatever she's copying near her, and that's mostly for us, so we know what power she's using. I would really like that to be red, but... Oh yeah, that would have been nice. I don't know if that's even a storyline anymore or not, so... Well, you're talking about the red and the green and the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel what you're saying. Because Vixen was like but halfway they, connected. Whenever they create her, she always, they always use purple as the color to show off her powers. Was it? Yeah. Huh. Even in the anime, they've been doing a Vixen CW spinoff for the modern Vixen, because we have classic Vixen in Legends of Tomorrow, and in the show, it's more blue or just like a light color, but in the anime, it is purple, and in the comic series before this, it was purple. So, I don't know if that's a thing or if that's just... Whatever. But I feel what you're saying, the whole red and green and black and yeah, I just, connections, yeah. It would be nice to have a connection. To sure. Well, that's why Bruce Boy was red when they started with it. And yeah, and that was... better off green. That was a mistake, yeah. Yeah, back to the flavoring stuff. Anyway, um, I give it three and a half also. Like, uh, the little parts are pretty awesome. I, I really dig the Killer Frost storyline, just in general. The one-shot for her was awesome, too. Like, the uh, setup one-shot, I guess. And I like how we finally are returning to the... Villain Month issue, because Villain Month issues, they set up all the scientist stuff, and they set up her 
basically the first batch of people she killed were the people trying to kill her. So it wasn't like she started out having a bad streak, because she didn't. So I like that we've dealt with all that, and I like that we kind of came back to that character in general. Because she's not just a, a, another flavor cold villain of the month, because you, you're a cold villain, you can't use Captain Cold, because he's built to fight in the Flash, and you can't use Mr. Freeze because he's locked up or because Batman's using him. They're like, oh, just give him the girl one. So I'm glad she's not that anymore. Like, I'm, I mean, I guess there's the icicle, the guy with the pointy nose, but... Oh, man, I forgot about him. <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. Understandable. But I, I'm glad that they're using her in a way that's that fits the way the character got set up in that issue, because that issue, the villain month issue, was great. It was awesome. So this following suit from that, really cool. If you guys didn't get to see them to read the number one, the one, or not the number one, the one shot for her, definitely worth a read. It's a good one. Anyway, all right. And I think the uh, that connection with Lord Havoc, I'm pretty sure that the, the team they were before was extremists, or ex- I think that's what they was called. Oh yeah, yeah, it was connected back to the fifty two. Which yeah, took place during, before New 52. Yeah, they showed up in 52. So I'm pretty sure that's who that team's supposed to be. I don't think they named them in there, but... I don't think so in the Justice League of America. Yeah, I don't think so. But, I mean, that's 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 who they, they are. are. Yeah. The last time I seen them was in the... That... The Lord Havoc series for 52? No. They showed up in that... Um, gosh. Convergence. Oh, stuff. right, right, yeah. That's where I remember them from last. So. Sweet. All right, uh, let's move on to Daredevil. Ross, running with the devil. Yeah. It's a Van Halen song. They, it's true. This is number 18 of the Daredevil. Uh, I want to say this is the Marvel Now 2 series. I can't tell you what the volume is because I don't know that. I should know that, but I don't. Anyway, uh, we've got a writer is Mr. Charles Soule, and art to be done by uh, Ron Gurney. Um, as far as a storyline, this is a, the second part of a series we've already started, dealing with the Purple Man. Um, so, we're kind of already in progress. This is actually part two of it. And we open up with Matt basically giving a confession to a priest, which is not the most unheard of thing for Daredevil, because it tends to be a, a theme for him. Yeah, he's got Catholic background. Yeah. Anyway, as he's uh, talking to the priest, uh, he starts by telling him, well, yeah, that two of the Purple Man's kids showed up. And he's like, what? We have to talk about the Purple Man before we talk about the Purple Man's kids. And uh, from there, Matt is basically telling a story throughout the whole issue. So the events in here, in theory, have already happened. But uh, he basically explains the Purple Man. So if you haven't seen Jessica Jones, which in the show he's not physically colored purple, whereas in the books he is, uh, then you should have an idea who this character is. Basically his power is that he has a pheromone, it gives off that if you're within range of it, he tells you to do something, and you have no other option but to do it. Like, you can't... Mentally, if you're sound enough, you can fight it off after a while, and if you get far enough away from him, generally the effect will wear off. But, it basically is like mind control saber that it's not actually mind control. Yeah, it's not the mind control. Anyway, so over time, the Purple Man had, you know, of course, given himself women and given himself money and he doesn't have a real taste for caring about anybody because he doesn't have to. And he's kind of a jerk, just in general. Uh, but this has resulted in him having a batch of children. Um, and when the children are around, he's able to draw power from them and make himself stronger. So you know, use them like amplifiers. Anyway, um, 
as we're talking, Daredevil starts explaining how he believes the Perman escaped, because last time we saw the Perman, he was left in jail, and, like, cryo-sealed in jail. Like, a cryo-sealed bubble that he lives in that doesn't allow his Perman to get out. When the guards come to see him, they have to wear bio-suits. Anyway, of course, we have a, a uh, not exactly well-minded guard who's made a deal with the Purple Man to uh, make the girl he's in love with love him. And uh, But in order to do that, he's got to open the cell a little bit to let the Purple Man's pheromones come out. And of course, oh, their deal is that he'll just get more yard time or more rations or whatever the guard could give him without giving up his job. But, you know, that leads to the Purple Man giving exactly what he wanted, except he made the girl love him to death. So, you know, she killed him, because that's what happens. So he fast-forward past that, and now uh, we join the, the beginning of the story that Matt started with, when the two kids showed up at his house. And uh, we've learned that the Purple Man's had, I think, five kids, if I remember right, that we know of. And the way the kids work, if they're together they have the same abilities that he has. So, like, two of them together, they can control you the same way he does. If they're by themselves, apparently they're just like normal kids, and they can't... They don't make the chemical the same way he does. It doesn't excrete the pheromone the same way. So, if they're together, they can do it, but if they're not together, they can't. And the kids have a way of, like, filling each other, kind of like the idea of twins. Now, granted, these aren't twins by any means, but they can... Fill the distance between each other, and like when one's in trouble, they can kind of tell. Anyway, it's the two of them joined up together because two of the other brothers we were talking to have both quit responding. And then from there, that made them worried, so these two found each other, and that made them realize that the others were in trouble. Well, they decided to come looking for the brothers and the sister, and they, uh, as they got near to where they believed they were, all of a sudden the Random people in the street just turned on them, mob style, and came running after them, which is definitely a Purple Man thing. So they ran from him and eventually ran to Daredevil's house, which they, even though the regular world doesn't believe Daredevil's Matt Murdock anymore, the kids are a little farther down the road and have seen stuff that, of course, because of the father, they know Matt Murdock and Daredevil's the same dude. Anyway, so they run to Matt's house uh, with the mob chasing them, and that leads to Matt sending to his panic room with his, uh, current living girlfriend type. And uh, from there, he realizes the people at the front door are breaking down the front door with their bodies. So, like, their hands are breaking, their fingers are breaking, they're using themselves basically shoved through the door. And he knows that the, being in the panic room, they're going to keep coming and just smash themselves to death because they can't stop themselves. So he decides the only thing to do would be for him to fight them and try to stop them before they can kill themselves. So it turns into a giant battle between him and a whole herd of people, um, using pressure points and knocking people out, and then eventually tying them up. And uh, eventually he gets the kids and the girlfriend out of the panic room and tells her, call the cops, you need to explain to them what's happened and make sure they put them in restraints. And she's like, well, aren't you going to be here? And he's like, uh, yeah, no. He's going to take the kids. And so he has the kids leave to where they believe the other siblings are, and uh, the whole time Daredevil's talking about basically how the kids work and how they have no fear, and normally he thinks that's admirable because that's his whole stick. But because they're kids, they don't see the danger the same way he does. Anyway, eventually we find the uh, Purple Man held up at a uh, old power plant that he's converted into a machine to use the children to boost his own powers. And uh, 
Daredevil the whole time he's walking across the buildings kept thinking and talking to himself in his conscious, like what we read, thinking to himself that it was odd that the wave of people were so taken still being this far away from the Purple Man. Because again, distance is supposed to weaken his control on you. So of course the kids see the uh, siblings trapped and think that they can maybe they can stop Purple Man themselves. I mean, why not, right? Well, you know, that doesn't go well. Um, I'm going to stop there, because the big reveal at the end, of course, is... Well, I can't tell you. I shouldn't tell you. I'm going to stop. But it's, uh, it definitely does not look good for the children. Like at all. As far as a uh, character, Purple Man is definitely like one of the worst supervillain types in period. Just because he's got no remorse. He's got no, like... Want for anything more than just his own entertainment. And, like, because he's the way he is, he's never had to basically do anything to earn anything. He doesn't value anything at all. I mean, the whole time Matt's going over the explanation of the Purple Man, we see, like, when he tried to run half a normal family until he got bored and stabbed the wife to death. And, like, all the other weird, crazy stuff he's done. So, if you haven't ever seen the Jessica Jones show, I mean, you definitely get pieces of that in there. So, you should understand how he works. But he's probably one of the worst supervillains just in general. As far as story, I mean, so far this little series has been cool. Um, I, I give it a three. I mean, the art's got that, uh, I don't know, kind of traditional Daredevil-like gritty type. Well, it's not, I guess not really gritty. I, I don't know. The way it's set up has got a... Daredevil's got a particular feel to it. Depending on whether it's Samney doing it or if it's Ron or uh, whoever is working on it. It's got a... They use a lot of dark tones... Which is partially because of the style of the character. I mean, he's a blind guy, so the way he sees the world is different in general. I think that's why it gets colored the way it does. Anyway, I give it a three. Uh, Pearl Man's a real bastard. Um, it's interesting learning about the kids and seeing how that's going to play out. It should be really cool. Um, so yeah, Charles Hill's a great writer, so awesome. And it's cool that it's a lawyer writing a lawyer, which I think that's cool. That's pretty awesome. Right? Uh, Rob, you guys go for that book. I really enjoyed the new Daredevil. I'll give it a solid three, actually. I really, I like the story. Purple Man is definitely not, like, one of my favorite villains, but he's such a dangerous character, and they've done such a great job of writing him now. Like, when he was first introduced back in the 60s. Yeah. He was kind of flavor of the month type guy, you know? It is cool that he's not a mutant, which is kind of the go-to, and that's why we're seeing his children have the same abilities that he has. Because he's a chemical agent guy. Right. His powers were given to him by science. I like I like the take on it. And I think they've done a great job of bringing him back in a more serious fashion. Because it was really easy to make, you know, the Purple Man kind of a joke. So, it's kind of nice to see him taken seriously. Right. You know, and, and it's not one of those, you know, one of the things they've done really well with, with Daredevil is not put us in a situation where, like, Daredevil's saving the world. It's Daredevil dealing with smaller stuff and... What's smaller than a guy who controls just single minds, I guess. Well, waves of minds at this point, but yeah. yeah. Still bad news. Right. But yeah, I, I'd, give it, I'd give it a three. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, Mr. Ross? Yeah, it was a pretty cool issue. I really like that the the arc of the story right. is named after the Van Halen song. That's pretty funny. And I do also like that it's a lawyer writing a lawyer. And right. That's kind of a cool thing. Uh, the story's pretty good. Like Rob was saying, it's interesting take on the villain and how he's turned out. Um, yeah, I'd probably give it a three. Two. Cool. 
Right on. And let's move on to uh, Street Fighter versus Darkstalkers, number zero. This is from Udon Comics, is that right? It is. Yeah. And so, get I ready said for... that knowing the fact, because I, I know that it's Udon. <laughs> so, a story by Matt Moylan, and art by Hanzo Steinbeck. It's a powerful name, Hanzo. It is. Steinbeck makes you think he's a bagel shop runner. Hanzo makes you sound like he makes samurai swords. That's a good thing, sir, because I love bagels. And swords. And swords. And he might do both. I hope so. He also apparently draws comics. That's true, which is yeah. something I also, I also like. It's amazing. Yeah. To tell you the truth, there's a lot of setup in here. And depending on how much your Street Fighter and or your Darkstalker knowledge is, a lot of what goes on will either really capture you, or it's going to make you go, like, I, I don't know what's happening. Um, cool thing for this is that it, it does pick up where we left off on the Street Fighter Unlimited series. Right. It also picks up where we left off on Street Fighter Five. is the new one? Oh, the, yeah, game series. Um, where they've introduced some brand new characters. The neat thing is this is really a seamless connection. So we're seeing them continue the Gil storyline while introducing some pretty nasty Darkstalker characters. And so it looks like that's where we're going to go as kind of one of our big story elements, which is super cool because even in the Street Fighter games, they seem to have a hard time going, like, picking a boss and focusing. Um, so I'm kind of glad that we're even starting the story with it probably not going to be Bison at the end. Right. Or will it? It could be. Yeah. I mean, just because he didn't appear in this issue doesn't mean anything. <laughs> But we do introduce a lot of characters that are brand new to Street Fighter V. And we kind of mirror them with characters that are important to the Darkstalkers universe. Like Anubis and Rashid. To kind of build this whole story. Right, and the new, Rashid's the new guy from V, right? The wind-powered one? Yeah, he's, uh, he's not from Arabia, but he looks like he's from Arabia. Right. And they have some kind of fun stuff in there where he's very Indiana Jonesy. And, well, he's you know, fighting a giant, basically, sarcophagus, so... Yeah, and he kind of writes it off like, Oh, I don't believe in magic, but I think aliens might be involved. And, <laughs> like, his assistant's like, really? That's funny. But um, they do a great job of connecting these two together. And it it doesn't really feel like you have two things that don't make sense that are jammed together. This really feels like when they went to work on it, Moylan knew exactly where he wanted to go and how he wanted to pair these characters. Right. And it's kind of nice to start the story and not have it be Ken Ryu-centric. I'm sure they're going to show up and be important. But right now it looks like Rashid and Kami are going to... Or, I'm not, sorry, not Kami. Uh, Chun-Li are going to play a big role in this story. So... But yeah, if you're, if you're a Darkstalker fan, this is probably the best thing they've done with them in at least five years. Because I did a miniseries with Darkstalkers, and it was okay. This feels better. If you're a Street Fighter V fan, this is going to be the book for you. If you, if you just have liked the Capcom world, this is cool because it brings it together, and it brings it together in not a super hokey way. So, um, I know I'm probably pretty biased on this, but I'd give it a four. I really enjoyed the story. I, I love the artwork for it. I think this is a great way of bringing these characters together 
And I'm kind of, I, I love the idea that they're actually using Street Fighter V and Street Fighter Three mythology. Because those, you know, five of course is the newest one, but three is the game that everyone always tries to forget. And I think three had a lot more heart than it gets credit for. Than it gets credit for, yeah. yeah. Than even four does, in in my mind. But huh? uh, who's Ross? What do you think about the uh, Darkstalker Zero Street Fighter? Street Fighter versus Darkstalkers, man, that's a lot of words. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long title. It's all right, but at least they didn't try to shorten it to like ST. BSF. Yeah. Because that's just nonsense. It should be S. Hang on, what? S, so SF verse DS? Yes. <laughs> be, that's a lot of letters together. That'd be silly. Ross, tell me, tell me what you think. Give me a score. Well, I really, really like crossovers. That's true. So that's a point in its direction. The art is really good, and I do like what they're doing with the story in this one, too. Um, I haven't read a lot of the Street Fighter comics. I've always kind of looked at them and wanted to, but I haven't read many of them yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is a really good issue, though, and encourages me to look at past issues, too. So I, I think once you start looking into Darkstalkers, you specifically will really enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's a it's a Japanese take on most of the Universal Monsters. So we have vampires and succubus and... Like a creature from the Black Lagoon and a haunted suit of armor and a mummy. Nice. That are all like ongoing story elements. Yeah. And although we didn't see him in here, I'm hoping we get the rock and roll punk zombie. Nice. Awesome. That sounds awesome. He was one of my favorites. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd probably give the book a three and a half out of five. It's cool. pretty sweet. Right on. Oh, well, you know, I, I'm going to follow suit in there and give it a three and a half also. Like, the art's great. Udon puts out awesome comics. Like, the art is great. And regardless of what size it is, whether they're doing their art books or whether they're doing their comic books, pretty much everything they put out in the last, I don't know, seven years has been fantastic. Like, as far as artists, they pick really good artists that have similar styles. So whether it's an art book for the games or whether it's a storybook, the art's fantastic. Um, as far as uh, setup for it, I mean, it's interesting to see these new characters. I don't know a lot about Street Fighter V, but I mean very little about it, just because I'm not, you know, I like Street Fighter, but I'm like Street Fighter II Turbo, That's or Capcom versus Street Fighter, so I'm, I'm a fair step backwards in that reign of things, but as far as, like, the characters, I'm pretty familiar with most of the classic characters, and new guys is cool to see, just because they have a cool look to them, other than that, I don't know a whole crap lot about them, but as far as, like, books are concerned, at least Issue Zero is really cool, so it'll be interesting to see how long it runs. Um, as far as a series, I don't know if we'll get a standalone out of it for Darkstalkers again, but if it doesn't, I mean, I'd be surprised, just because they set up, there's a lot of story pieces there. So depending on where they go with this, making the same boss, the boss for both of them, it'll be interesting to see where it plays out, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely dig it. Udon puts out good stuff, so if you're just looking for art books, the art books are fantastic. Like yeah. I said, at the very beginning of my blah da blah da blah da blah there you go. J. Joe doing half battle things with words. Three and a half. Okay. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Ross, want to tell me a story about Action Comics number 975? Yeah, so Action Comics 975 is a giant anniversary issue. Um, it ties into the Superman Reborn that we talked about last time. Right. Uh, it's written by Dan Jurgens, and art is done by Doug Mankey. Both, both good guys. We interviewed Dan twice, actually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, picking up right after where Superman left off, Superman and Lois are trying to find John, who they believe has been kidnapped by the other Clark Kent. And other Clark Kent has been a mystery in the DC Universe for a long time now, because it didn't make sense at all for there to be random Clark Kent that just showed up. That, for all purposes, seems to actually be Clark Kent. Well, everything up to this point we've learned about him has appeared to be human. Mm-hmm. Up to this point. Um, and so in the search for him, they go to Clark Kent's apartment. Uh, when they get there, they search her out, and they're not finding any life signs at all. Like, Superman is, isn't seeing any, uh, isn't sensing any, any life at all in the building. But, so they go to check her out to see if there's been anyone there recently, and then they open the refrigerator, they find, like, a bunch of junk food. Like, candy and whipped cream and... And soda, just a bunch of stuff that you'd expect, like, a ten-year-old kid to have in their refrigerator. What's sad is just just an offhanded thing. I remember the Lois and Clark TV show. Uh-huh. That was the food that they had, Superman had. Is it nice? It was like that he was just eating sugar. I'm almost positive that's a reference to that, then. That's awesome. Um, th- as they're searching... The other Clark Kent does come in, and Superman is asking where John is. And uh, as he's talking to him, he's like, Superman's asking him, and he's getting very upset that he doesn't know anything about it. And Clark Kent keeps being like, John who? I don't know who you're talking about. And then Clark Kent starts saying something like, why weren't you there when you needed, when I needed you? And Superman's like, I don't know who you are. And, uh, he catches a punch from Superman and throws it away, which is pretty out of control. He keeps asking Superman, who am I? So Superman tried to guess, and Clark Kent keeps transforming into different people. Different enemies of Superman, more specifically. Right, and he turns into Mongol, he turns into, um, uh, why can't I remember his name now, the robot one that's part robot, not all robot. Cyborg Superman. Yeah, Cyber Superman, that's not the one I was thinking of, though. Brainiac? Brainiac, there you go. Yeah, Gosh, Brainiac, Bizarro. Uh, Parasite. Luthor. And Luthor, of course. I really, really like how Doug Minky draws all these villains, by the oh, way. Yeah. This is, like, awesome. Bizarro, specifically, is way cool-looking. But Superman can't figure out who it is. Well, he seems to be trying to remember, and he, he acts like it can't possibly be. Yeah. Like, he, he just can't figure it out until uh, the guy transforms into Doomsday at the end. And Lois Lane is actually who starts to remember him. Right. And it ends up being Mr. Mixelquick, who I'm pretty sure the last episode, all of us were like, there's no way that they're going to cop out to Mr. Mixelquick. Yeah, the answer should never be Mr. Mixelquick. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what was the answer? Mr. Rixleplick. Yeah. Take that. Well, not only that, but... Yeah, sorry, continue. Oh, you're good. Mr. Rixleplick is upset because Superman never came to rescue him. And the story of where Superman went, or where Mr. Rixleplick was, and what this whole rescuing about is the whole backup story for this book. Right. Which, I'm going to say, you should probably read it on your own. It gives a lot of cool stuff away for this whole Superman Reborn thing. Right. And really quick, just because we didn't mention it at the start, 
the back of story is written by Paul Dini, and art is done by Ian Churchill. Right. The fact that Paul Dini is writing the backup story is a pretty cool thing, because he's the guy that did a lot of the animated stuff, and uh, co-creator of Harley Quinn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he had a big hand in both the Batman and the Superman series, was, mm-hmm. and Justice League, actually, too. Mm-hmm. So, and he hasn't done much in comics for DC recently. Yeah, not he did the, the Christmas special. He did the Harley Quinn stories for both the... Batman annual of the Christmas special, but the back of story at the end of it is a really, really good back of story and gives away a lot of clues for the rest of the Superman Reborn. Like part of what we've been seeing in the uh, mystery side of things. Yeah. yeah. It, it, definitely worth reading. Right. So, overall, I really, really liked this book. Uh, I don't know if it's all the way up at a four for me. I think I'm going to give it the three and a half that I've been given everything else. I'll give it a 3.75. I liked it a little bit more than everything else we've read tonight. But okay. it, w- it was really good. Not like a perfect book or anything. Right. Like we were saying, the Doug Mankey art was really cool for this issue. Oh, yeah. All the different villains we have to see is great. Like the way he draws all the different incarnations that he turns mm-hmm. into. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, my, my big thing is I kind of feel like the Mr. Mixelflick thing was a cop-out, but... At the same time, you might have needed that to explain the rest of the story after this. So, right. yeah, three, 3.75. Boom. Out of five. I like how Ross gives a cap on it. <laughs> the rest of us don't care. So these people could think we're out of 30. So these scores are terrible. <laughs> Rob, score for the book? Well, we, we hope somebody's been listening to the last 90-some-odd episodes. Yeah. But I don't, know know. Just, I don't know when we explain that. Episode three, four? I don't think we ever six, explained it. Six? Five. We used to use different things. Well, yeah, we used to have tacos as scores. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we can't, because tacos are delicious. Yeah. Regardless, as long as we give something, I guess that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I give it 3.75. I, I agree. Uh, I, I still am firm on the idea that, you know, Mr. Mr. Plake is the bad choice. But honestly, this was written so well, it really didn't matter to me. Yeah. Like, I was I was still hooked. And I'm not... It's funny because if you talk to me at different times, people have, have assumed that I'm a Superman fan. So really, I, I can't say I am. But his stories have been written so well in Rebirth and oftentimes in The New 52 that it's totally worth reading. And this is a story that I think is, is definitely there. Um, even if this doesn't somehow have something to do with the greater story of Rebirth, and it's just a Superman story, it's totally worth reading. I don't know if it's going to go down as one of those stories like Identity Crisis, where we're going to keep coming back and being like, oh, this was the story you need to read. But this issue especially, and the issue before that, were a heck of a story. So... Even though it's Mr. Mistletoe, it was a heck of a, it was a really good story to read, and it, as a fan, it's very rewarding because it gives us a lot of other connections. Mm-hmm. There is one thing that they haven't explained fully for me yet, and I guess that when we get towards the end of this, we'll see if they touch it or not. But right, all right, um, yeah, score. Well, you know, I I'll give it a four. 
I mean, it, I'm in the same place you guys are. Like, book-wise, I don't think we've really given anything fives, really. If you're up in yours, do a four, I am, too. No, what, don't, 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 just, no copy. Four, four, three point seven five. This is worth being a four. If Fine. you say it's a four, then I'm going to agree. Fine. At, overall, as an event so far, granted, we have had one more come out since then. So depending on whether you read that one or not. It's also really good. Yeah, it's also really good. Right. So, like... Oh, this is going to be fun? No, it's a four-part. Yeah, we got one more should come out to finish the, to finish the chase, and then from there we go to the button and see how that does, which should do great. Anyway, uh, Jurgens, he's an old school writer, he's talking booster gold stuff, uh, Justice League stuff, Superman stuff. I mean, he's part of Death of Superman. So I was gonna say like, he, he created booster gold. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which we've talked about before on the show. The yeah. dude's great. Uh, iconic cover. He's an artist too. Icon- iconic covers. Superman's cape on the fl- on the on the pole from the death. I mean, that's him. So, the dude's done amazing stuff. <laughs> See what's awesome huh. about this is that this one was written by Dan Jurgens. Yes. The last one was written by Tomasi. They're working together. If you read the whole story, you wouldn't even be able to tell that it was different writers. Oh no! Like, this seems such a good job. Of yeah, the two two writers yeah. together seamless. I mean, as far as, like, who picked what was the end, I'm sure there's probably multiple suggestions and probably multiple options, and ultimately this is the one that decided to make the most sense. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there was a big, like, writer's room or something. Probably. Like, I mean, if it was only one guy picking it, that would be bizarre to me, actually. And the fact it's being written by two different guys in general, both of which are awesome, great writers. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of them are really good. His mm-hmm. Batman Beyond stuff is great, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally dug that stuff with... Drake instead of McGinnis was awesome. Mm. Anyway, um, back to this book. Yeah, I give it a four. The event as a whole is definitely in the four and a half range so far. Yeah, it's... It has one more book to, to wrap it up, so I guess we'll see what that does. But, as far as setup, so far it's been really cool. Plus, I like how the covers connect on the regular covers. That's true. Cool. The variants, if they connected too, that'd be cool. They don't, but it'd be cool if they did. Anyway. I, I um, guess there's there's only one thing that really... It sticks out to me, huh. and it's probably because I'm not super familiar with Mistletoe Plick and Superman's relationship. But there seems to be like some weird disconnect on how they remembered each other. Now I understand Mistletoe's take on it, but Superman's take on it is weird to me. Huh. And I, I guess we'll just leave that hanging because I don't want to get too much into it. Okay. But it's a lot like Batmite. You understand how Batmite works? It's like the same idea. Basically. Something else I just noticed really quick. He's wearing the Death of Superman shirt on oh, the cover. On the cover, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Death of Superman stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Which only makes sense. There's actually. Uh, yeah, whatever. I guess there's, I guess there's more in the other issue. Mm. Well, moving on to US Avengers, number four. Is that right? It is number it four. Is number isn't four. It? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This cover features the uh, ever beloved Deadpool and uh, Mr. Tom Selleck Hulk, which is my favorite. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rob, you want to tell us a story about the Use Avengers? Yeah, we got it written by Al Wing with uh, pencils by Paco Medina, who is. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, Paco Medina. Lending his style to the series, to me, is one of the best parts of Man, he's, of a, good, he's a great artist. Ewing's a good writer, too, but, uh, yeah, Medina's an awesome artist. Basically, what we, we get started with here is there's a creature that showed up in the 
New Avengers. Right. That was called the Kaiju America. Yeah. And Kaiju America is crazy. Yeah. Um, it's basically like Godzilla with a American flag on its head. Pretty much. <laughs> um, and, and as much as that sounds like, where did that come from? Like, if you weren't reading The Last New Avengers, there was a lot of craziness that happened in that series that was involving AIM. Right. And this is something that came from that. But um, since now AIM and the U.S. Avengers are working with S.H.I.E.L.D., as we learned from the first issue, right? Um, they have to deal with certain things that... They have to clean up certain things that were left out in the open, like New Avengers ending... There's a bunch of there's random pieces left open. But this particular one connects back to Maverick, and it's basically his fault that exists. Yeah. But as far as pieces that were left floating in the world, it's like this book's taking care of certain random things that just never were resolved anyplace. This is another one of those. Yeah. So they decide that they need to take care of it, and they need to take care of it quietly. So having the U.S. Avengers drop down would be bad news. Right. The reasoning for this is that it's right. In, on the border of Latveria and a and another country that I can't I cannot remember the name of right now. Either way, U.S. Avengers can't be dealing with stuff there because it's a foreign nation. Right. Bad publicity, especially when the giant kaiju also has an American flag on his chest. Yeah. Not good for uh, PR wise. Not good for us. <laughs> so they send down Maverick to deal with it as the Hulk. Right. And so basically he has like an hour to clear this mess up and, and make things every, everything work out. And as he's kind of infiltrating his way in, he runs across another new monster. The Merc with a monster. Um, basically we have like a crazy Deadpool slash Frankenstein's monster with baby doll heads on a rope chain. On his belt, yeah. <laughs> and like a weird... Deadpool piggy bank strapped to him. He kind of moves around a little hunchbacky. Yeah, he kind of moves around like like he's some kind of put together creature, and he can't speak. So all of his dialogue is in his head, pretty much while he tries to fight the uh, the Red Hulk. And then we're introduced to another Victor Von Doom, another mad scientist that had the name beforehand, who's got like a need to prove himself against Victor. The other Victor. The one we more know, commonly know is uh, Dr. Doom. It pretty much is just kind of shenanigans with him and Deadpool until an opportunity presents itself to actually uh, do what they came for. Yeah, at first, like, the entire time the Red Hulk's fighting him, he doesn't, he really, he believes it's just another monster there trying to stop him from getting to the kaiju. And the whole reason Deadpool is there is because he was hired to take out the evil doctor. So they're there on separate missions. They just happen to cross paths after Deadpool gets turned into a monster by the Doctor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, De- Deadpool becoming across the Red Hulk in the first place is all happenstance. It's true. Which hopefully means that Deadpool will hang around, but we'll see. Well, I mean, book-wise, story-wise, it's hard to say, but yeah, the whole... Him being a monster in general, I mean, he's injected and transformed. Yeah. And... After during that, the course of the story. Yeah, during the course of the story. Like, after fighting the Red Hulk, the Red Hulk beats him up enough that the healing factor fixes him. Which yeah. is kind of awesome, but yeah, that leads to them being able to do anything in the first place. 
the the neat thing for this book is that it it has a lot of really cool visual cues in it. One of the big things is that every time they change momentum in the story, or they change the focal point to a different character, they decide to actually do a new splash page like cover right. in the middle of the book. And they decided to make them all kind of throwback covers, so they all have the like outlandish blurbs on the covers, um, which I thought was a lot of fun. And something that's kind of you, you can't do that anymore in comics because people think it's cheesy, but it's it works, a fun. It works out pretty well. The first one I saw when I saw the barcode again, I'm like, "What is going on?" Yeah, and they make them full on like yeah, a totally full on different covers. cover. Yeah, but yeah, hilarious. Um, but it's it's. It's a really well-written story, and it's a lot of fun. And I'm pretty sure there's a point in there where Deadpool's making fun of the way that the Hulk stories used to be written, which was all poetic and stuff, and so it's him trying to make poetry about what the Red Hulk's doing, and I'm pretty sure he, like, makes some reference to his abs and his glutes as he throws something. Oh, yeah. And it's like... Well, he full-on calls him Tom Selleck Hulk also. Tom Selleck Hulk in there, which is yeah. hilarious to me. Yeah, the book's super funny. Yeah. It really is, actually. Uh, Rob's score for the book? Honestly, I think this is one that people are sleeping on, and they're really missing out by not picking it up. So, yeah. I, I give it... I don't give everything high tonight, but I, I give it 3.5. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun. And even though this, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of, like, building to the next story... Right. It's... Of great addition to this story so far. So, cool. The U.S. Avengers. Uh, Mr. Ross, I think we just picked a lot of really good books this week because that book books. was pretty awesome too. It's a lot of fun. Uh, between the monsters and the humor in it was awesome. Right. I, I'd give that one uh, three and a half out of five for sure too. Right. Well, I'll follow suit with you guys. I give, I give it three and a half too. I think if you're if you're if you are a Deadpool reader. And you enjoy the Deadpool funniness. This book, not just this issue, but like this series, has that tone to it. I mean, it's a fun book. Like issue two, issue two or three, we got Squirrel Girl talking about how she's equivalently strong to a squirrel, which is not equatable. It's hilarious. It's just so silly, but the way it fits together is fun. So, like, if you dig the Deadpool stuff for the sake of it being silly Deadpool shenanigans. This book has that element, too, but it's not just that. And Deadpool's not even part of the regular book. Like, no. he's, he's not. He's in this one, <laughs> but he's not part of the regular book. Yeah, I love that. And Deadpool shows up. He's right. A crazy Frankenstein monster. Deadpool. Right, out of nowhere. Absolutely out of nowhere. Anyway, yeah, I give it three and a half also. It's been a fun book. I definitely, definitely dig it. Uh, of course, the cast, I think, is pretty awesome, too. So, most of his characters, I think, are cool. Anyway, um, it's definitely for me, both New Avengers and now U.S. Avengers, they're the only ones who are using Squirrel Girl in the right way, as far as I'm concerned. You can agree with that. So, it's odd that she was in both, but at the same time, I, I think these two books are more than a little connected. Oh, easily, yeah. Cast-wise alone. Yeah. Alright, um, let's see, well, uh, Rob, what'd you learn today? I learned there was nothing you could do. It's a total eclipse of the heart. Oh, total Red Hulk of the heart. Damn it. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Ross, what'd you learn today? Learned that Lobo has an affinity for dolphins. 
That is also a good thing to learn. Who's going to protect him if not Lobo? Really? You're supposed to say Aquaman, but that's all right. That's all right. That's, that's what was going through my head. <laughs> that's fine. Jason Momoa? And I'm like, yeah, when he's out plowing the field or whatever he does. <laughs> uh, for a secret answer. It just wasn't there. That's all right. Uh, so, Rob, what did I learn today? I learned that when you have a really tough question, Mr. Mistleplick is the answer. Oh, dang it. All things are sort of true. I can't, can't pay my bills. Mr. Mistleplick. I don't think that's, that's how what? that works. Man, I wish that's how that works. Life, life right. isn't working out, and I might have to get a divorce. Mr. Mistleplick. That doesn't... No. no? Food stamps, Mr. Mistleplick? Never the right answer. No. <laughs> Not ever. Oops, <laughs> I screwed up and killed my real identity, and now I have to make a fake identity so I can still be Superman. Mr. Mr. Mistleplick. That's oh. an answer in that case. That was the right answer. Hey. Well, all you never su- know. All of a sudden, the building turns into whipped cream. Also, Mr. Mr. Plick. Yeah. What about that? Although that's usually because of him. That's not really an yeah. answer. Yeah. So. because of. What about that one building that's a dinosaur? It's the answer there. That's also Mr. Mr. Plick. Yeah, okay. He probably caused that. But probably. I was looking for a different answer, but that's all right. Well, it could be Cayman Rider, actually. There but. you go. All right. Anyway, okay. So if those are all good things for people to learn. You know, it's an educational show, Ross. It's mm. not just about the comics. I'm pretty sure it's the opposite of educational. You, sir, don't... <laughs> I... Okay. <laughs> uh, let's do some books to watch. Uh, who wants to go first looking for a sign of hands? Anybody? Uh, Rob will go first? There sure, go. why not? Um, we're going to be coming up on X-Men Prime, uh, Inhumans Prime, and then carrying over to X-Men Blue and Gold. Um, and since we just wrapped up IV, I'm sorry, XVI recently, um, you know what? Hey, the X-Men are back to stay. And so I think they're actually going to put their best foot forward with it, not only because they're bringing out so many titles, but it looks like they're bringing out pretty big titles. So um, Weapon X actually should be really interesting to take a look at. Yeah, it looks really on. cool. Um, I, I'm not sure... What to think about it, but they're they're going to give Jean her own book, and they're also going to go back to Generation X, which I I love Generation X, so it'll be interesting to see what this new iteration is going to be. Right. So there's a lot of really great X books that are going to be coming out soon. A lot of good stuff going on from DC. I'm I'm really interested to see where we're going to go with Justice League of America, of course. Right. So, um, and surprisingly enough, Superman in action. It's just weird for me to say, I think. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) All right. Uh, Mr. Ross? Uh, Yeah, so the Hanna-Barbera DC crossovers are coming out this month. That's right. Which are going to be awesome. Um, We also have Aqualad coming to Teen Titans this month. Right. Which is also going to be awesome. We also have Hot Dog and the Werewolf coming out in the near future. Hunger, people. Hunger. From Archie Comics. Hot Dog and the Werewolf. Yeah. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with the current Justice League arc with their timeless story. Yeah, I definitely dug timeless. It's pretty cool. I really like having, in particular in the story, the two things that I really like is we get Cyborg sent to the 31st century, and we even get like a hint of how Brainiac created the Light Ring, which was cool. Mm. And we also get Aquaman sent back to before Atlantis sink. So, 
Both those things are pretty awesome things for me personally. Um, man, what was the, there's a new Darth Vader series starting up in the near future, written by Charles Soule. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird because it's being called Darth Vader, just like the last one. Right. But this one's actually taking place right after Episode Three, so it's like right after he got turned into Darth Vader. Right. Okay. Um. So between the prequels and the uh, original. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that'll be cool. And then we have the Looney Tunes and DC crossovers happening. Also I don't even know when, but super weird. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's see books. Man, I feel like, no, I don't have anything to say about anything for books. That's not <laughs> true, though. I mean, there's definitely books I've already recommended before. I mean, Black Science is still great. I'm still digging Deadly Class. I mean, that, none of that's changed, so those are basically staples. I mean, current current Batman Robin, or not, uh, uh not Batman Robin. God. Super Sons? Yes, that's what I was looking for. That one's awesome. Too. Totally lost awesome. my mind for a minute. Yeah, Super Sons issue two came out this last week. It's awesome, like story wise. Was, was there any mention of boxing turtles? No. Damn it. No, that's no. <laughs> um, books to watch for. I think Royals is going to be really cool coming out from uh, Marvel, uh, basically replacing Inhumans and Uncanny Inhumans. Uh, Royals will be drawn by John Boy. So if you. Uh, are not familiar with the artist. He did a lot of work on DeviantArt, and a lot of his, a lot of stuff turned to covers. And a lot of his popularity came from there forward, I think. So yeah, if you look up John Boy Myers, he's the guy going to be drawing the interior of that one. We've seen him on a few covers, and I definitely dig him. So. Recently, Teen Titans. Recently, Teen Titans. Yep. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I think that'll be cool, just because the dude's an awesome artist, and I I like most Inhuman cast. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. Um, Alden Wolverine's still really good. Um, I'm interested to see what this Scarlet Spider series is about. I'm a little sad that it's not going to be Kane again, but I guess we'll see what Ben Riley does and how this new clone Ben Riley thing plays out. So that's weird to me, but at least they didn't shoot themselves in the foot and kill Clint Kane. Right. So, so that that part makes me happy. I guess we'll see how this one goes. Um, the costume's a little weird, but it's almost like a mix between Kane's costume and the old-school Ben Riley costumes. It's kind of got the hoodie thing going on, kind of. Yeah. So we'll see. Like, I, the costume I'm not married to yet, but interested enough to see where it goes as far as, like, a first issue, first couple issues, probably. Um, just to see what they do with it. So I think that'll be cool. Um, I feel like there's something coming out from... Black Vault has a book coming out called, I think, Colossal. And uh, there was a TV show back in the 70s that was called Land of the Giants, I think, or Planet of the Giants. It's basically about a batch of humans that uh, went up on a ship that crashed on a planet that was basically inhabited by giants. Very similar concept. Um, I got to read the first issue the other day. It got sent over a copy by, the, um, by Black Vault. And, uh, the, it's, it's Land of the Giants, that's what the show's yeah, called. Yeah, I think it is called. Land of the Giants. But Colossal, uh, first issue's interesting, like, not entirely sure where they're going. I, I dig, dig, dig the first issue, so, hey, tell your retailers you want to check it out if you dig the idea of little people trapped with giants. Uh, and the art's not, pretty good in it, too, actually. Like, if, if it followed the show, it's not like cave giants. No. Or, or... No, it's like modern, like, the time frame that the, the giants are living in seems to be very 
between probably 65 and 75, probably, because you've got, like, a model train store, like, a toy store place, and the way that people are dressed is very, like, between that frame. So before the hippie days, but not Victorian. So, yeah, it's not like a caveman world. It's like... It's a very modern Very world. modern world. Yeah. But, yeah, as, as far as the rest of it, I mean, I don't totally understand it yet, but... Anyway, Colossal, I say check it out if you get a chance. Black Vault's the last book. We did a review for a book of theirs the other day, or the last episode. Uh, Heathen, hmm. which I dug that too from them. So, I don't, like I said, I don't know a lot about the company still, but, uh, yeah, I say Colossal will be a good one to try to check out. I mean, it's it's kind of a throwback to that show, if you remember that show at all. If you never remember that show, well then, hey, it's brand new to you, just like uh, Charles Manson says. If I haven't seen it, it's new to me. It's new to me, yeah. That's a terrible way to end the show. Got another quote for us, Ross? Anything else? Well, can't end on Manson. I'm, I'm sure we got other quotes, but um, I, I forgot to put in there Street Fighter versus Darkstalkers, which I think is going to be oh, okay. really fantastic. That's a weird transition, but all right. Uh, I still do actually really like Rebellion that we got going on, I think it is, for uh, IDW, where we're getting G.I. Joe and... Oh, Prince Revolutionary. Family. Revolutionary. Or Revolutionaries. Yeah. Yes. I, I like how they're doing that so far. It's kind of... I don't know if it's had the pop that they wanted it to have, but I think it's a really well done story so far. And I, oh, yeah. I like how they've introduced everything together. So It's been cool. Mm. I de- definitely dig the ROM stuff over there. Um, I'm broken the head for... I oh. thought I had something for a minute there for, for something else, but I, I guess I don't. I guess I don't. Mm. I mean, we do have another quote I can give. Okay. It doesn't have much to do with comics, though. So it's fine. Even... It's better than the Dahmer thing. Yes. <laughs> well, it wasn't Dahmer. Oh, Manson. Yeah. What is wrong with me right now? Serial killers, I guess. Yeah, for it's, lunch. Is that how it goes? You yeah, have cereal for lunch. That's true, I did. You had to kill it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, right back to Wingo <laughs> and his crazy cross Captain Toast. Yeah. Ross, been, you can never start a story again the... about cereal. <laughs> Not started ever. It. Ends badly every time. Uh, I've evidently thought way too much about Captain Carter about uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yes, obviously. Well, I really liked Rob's stories about Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Damn it, so. Ross. Yeah. You're not helping the fire. like whatever happened to the freaking holes and teeth guys from Captain Crunch. And <laughs> <laughs> then the captain was too successful. Yeah, well, he didn't need the rest of them. Got rid of his enemies. Yeah. The soggy monsters and the holes and teeth monsters. <laughs> yep. Both of them dead. KIA. Captain Crunch. Now he just breaks your walls. <laughs> you should be freaking happy he's just breaking your walls. <laughs> he eradicated man. two freaking species of monsters. <laughs> and he's just a serial pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best kind of pirate. <laughs> anyway, so so the quote can be, um, Go now and take with you this, because I can give you anything except for more time. It's Napoleon Bonaparte. Okay, that was weird. That's the quote. Better that's than it. the Manson quote. That's true. I can't. I guess that's true. This I don't is, know if that's really a Manson quote. The keys yet? The key. Key. The key. That's also a quote. The key. Hey, it is. It, it is. is. Yeah. A question, key. statement, and name, apparently. Key. The key. 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 Space Shark Gavin. Entirely different. Waka-za. 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 Waka-za